Hi everyone, uh, this is going to be a little bit more of a somber start to the podcast than uh, we are used to, uh, and that's because if I'm sure by now most of you will have heard the news and maybe seen what happened in Itaewon over the weekend. Uh, so I had re- uh, re- recorded this entire episode uh, just before I found out about all of this, uh, and I did not feel right at all releasing it as it was, so uh, my wonderful editor, Brianna has gone back and edited out some of the stuff at the beginning of the episode uh, but I just wanted to re-record the introduction as well uh, just to acknowledge um, all of the victims uh, and everyone that has been touched uh, by this tragedy uh, in Korea. Um, We were very lucky that no one in our team uh, was in Itaewon on Saturday night. Um, It is a place that all of us uh, have you know spent a lot of time in it's really not far from my house I have so many friends and loved ones that live either in or around Itaewon so I think this is a little bit of a difficult time for a lot of people living in Korea uh, just because of how close to home this is Uh, and even among my friends there were quite a few close misses uh, and people that were in the area really not long before the tragedy struck so I uh, will release the episode that I had already recorded so that you can listen to that Uh, but I really don't have the heart to record another episode for the rest of the week uh, like I normally do on Thursday this has just really um, been a really stressful time the time of a lot of anxiety Um, I basically spent my Sunday morning messaging friends and loved ones just to make sure that everyone was still alive and still okay. Um, And as you can imagine, that was not fun. Waiting for people to get back to you um, and hearing other people's stories firsthand. Uh, And then it's just been constant um, on the news as well. So this has been a really awful time for a lot of the people that are living here even if they weren't directly affected, uh, just because of the scale of the tragedy, how many people were involved, and the fact that it feels like it literally could have happened to anyone. Uh, these weren't people that were in, you know, a particular club uh, or a particular bar. They were literally just walking down the street when this happened. Uh, and it's a street that I think most people, certainly most foreigners, will have walked down when they have been in Korea. Uh, and it's a street that a lot of people will be very, very familiar with. Itaewon is a very, very popular area. Uh, so I just wanted to uh, acknowledge that, um, to send my condolences, my love to all of the families and the victims that were affected uh, on the weekend. Um And also just to let you know why there won't be another podcast episode. Um, It just does not feel right to me to do that. Um, And to be honest, I'm still really quite upset about it. Um, So um, I hope that you will enjoy this episode, but I'm going to be taking a little break um, after that. So I hope you understand. Hello, hello, and a big welcome back to the Korean Beauty Show podcast. 
Now let's get stuck into the headlines this week because there's a bit of fun stuff in here. The first one, and I really love this one, is K-Beauty for Pets. The new trend apparently, and I've been noticing this for a little while, is what they're calling pet economy, the pet economy. So products for pets are rapidly growing and that's because so many people these days are either having pets instead of children or they are just starting to consider their pets as members of the family. And that's a pretty big cultural shift here. Uh, I know historically for a lot of Korean families, pets were sort of thought of more as outdoor dogs, working dogs, the kind of things that people would have if they lived on a farm or they lived in the countryside or something like that, but their pets would be outside in a dog house or whatnot. Now, these days, there are six million households in Korea raising pets, which is about 30% of all households. And many people that I speak to, uh, many people that I know are just choosing to raise a pet instead of having kids. The cost of having kids here is just sky high. There's so many things that you have to think about. Uh, It's really, really hard to get them into daycare, into preschool. It's expensive. When they do go off to school, they need to go to the after-school academies in order to get ahead and, you know, be competitive when they are doing their university entrance exams. And the cost for all of this stuff just keeps rising. So a lot of people are just like, look, having a kid is just pie in the sky. It's not going to happen for me. So let's get a pet instead. So a lot of people really baby their pets. They treat them really well. They have them groomed. Uh, We're seeing lots uh, more pet cafes, pet friendly cafes where you can bring your dogs uh, along with you uh, and, you know, eat at a restaurant and whatnot, which is a pretty massive shift that did not used to be the case at all. In some respects, I actually feel like it's a little bit easier to have a pet in Korea and go out to cafes than it is for to have a kid sometimes. Like there are more and more places in Korea where they're calling it a no kids zone and like it's a hotel or something like that and they don't allow you if you have a kid. Uh, So (laughs) I feel like pets are kind of going the other way but I'm not the only one that's noticed this trend. A lot of domestic cosmetic companies are launching and investing in their pet related products as well. They are thirsty to find new growth markets. Obviously baby products, uh, you know products for mum and baby, you are marketing them to a ever decreasing portion of the population like there are not so many people that you can market to these days so instead they're turning their attention to pet households so the kind of products that people are making it's literally everything you can think of things from vegan pet shampoos calming pet shampoos to like calm your pet down if it's a little bit anxious toothpastes obviously for pets body mists ear sanitizer You know, if you have, uh, I know I've got a really, really fluffy puppy and he's got, you know, um, fur that hangs over his ears. So you kind of got to get in there and sanitize the ears. So all of those kind of spray products and whatnot, deodorants, liquid snacks, even actual like pet food, pet milk, all of this kind of thing I've seen on the market. So a lot of the major cosmetic companies here in Korea are entering the pet industry. uh, And that's because all of these related industries are expanding really, really rapidly. And they're expecting that the population 
is just going to keep declining due to the low birth rates, but the pet population is going to keep going up. So smart business move uh, if you think about it, but I thought that one was just a little bit of fun. The pet economy, guys, that is the name of this trend. Uh, you'll have to let me know, would you buy K-Beauty for your pets? Is this something that you are interested in if you have an animal? Uh, you'll have to let me know. I personally have used a lot of different Korean pet products on my pet, uh, on, on my dog. Uh, and there's some really, really nice ones. But I mean, of course, it's not the same thing me applying it on him as, you know, him being able to tell me if he likes the smell or anything like that. So it's what we call in Korean Teddy Mandok, which is like the satisfaction you get through someone else or something else. I feel better about myself just because I know I'm treating him. And I think a lot of pet owners will feel the same way. Uh, the other thing I saw in the headlines is that uh, people are saying that the importance of beauty reviews is strengthening. And this is something I tell you guys about all the time that people really do love reading other people's reviews about products and knowing what they think of them. Uh, and this particular article was saying that as online beauty purchases become more commonplace, the reviews are becoming even more important. And that's because, you know, the impact of them is really, really great. If you have a very vivid review that goes into a lot of detail about how people are using the product, what they like and didn't like about it, that really helps people to know uh, and to feel confident in making a purchase online without ever having tried the product or seen it, smelt it, felt it, all of those kind of things. So one local Korean review platform has reported that the category with the highest number of reviews on their platform is point makeup. Uh, and that would be roughly a translation for any of the color cosmetics that you would apply, for example, on your lips uh, or, you know, I'm trying to think your blush or something like that. That's kind of like your point makeup where you're using uh, colors in, in points. And what they were saying was that there is, you know, a tendency, particularly for people to check the various color options. So depending on their own skin tone, if they have a warm tone or a cool tone, people are checking other people's reviews and going, did that shade suit them? Do they have a similar type of you know shade of skin to me or is it really really different all of that kind of stuff can just help you in feeling a little bit more confident in making a purchase uh so there you go that was leading the well look it wasn't leading the headlines let's be honest this is the stuff that i thought was the most interesting and you know why not <laughs> why not talk about that on the show rather than the stuff that was leading the headlines this is a beauty podcast after all uh so we're just you know just a little bit fun but there you go the pet economy Economy and then beauty reviews was the ones that sort of caught my attention just because these are things that I've been I've been noticing myself as well. Now we had a really great question of the week. I received uh, a DM from Daphne on my Instagram and she was wanting to know a little bit more about mixing skincare ingredients. She had listened to one of the episodes that I did, you know, about the topic of uh, ingredients that work better together. And she was wondering in particular about vitamin C and niacinamide. So what I wanted to do, I thought this was a really great question and that a lot of you might have a similar question. So why don't we run through it together? Now, vitamin C, very, very popular. Why do we love it? Heaps of reasons. It can obviously help for people that have dark spots, people that have an uneven skin tone, people that have marks left over after they've had acne. Uh, vitamin C also plays a vital role in collagen 
production. It's a potent antioxidant. Lots of different reasons. Niacinamide, you will notice, have many of the same benefits. So it tackles hyperpigmentation. It can help soften fine lines. It helps with things like big pores, acne, all of those good things, uh, which is why you will see both of these ingredients actually recommended for a lot of different skin types. So can you use them together? The short answer is yes. They've obviously got a lot of complementary benefits that you will you know, probably think when you see one, you'll think of the other. So there is no reason that you can't use them together. What complicates this is that people will often point to some really, really old research which showed that combining them could lead to blotchy, inflamed skin and cause what they call flushing. So it's, you know, when you get a little bit of redness to your face and you look very flushed. Uh, Some people get it after they jog, you know, do a bit of a jog, they get really flushed. Other people after they drink alcohol, if it doesn't agree with them. But I think the thing here is, important thing to notice, firstly, uh, to to take note of rather is that the research was old it is old research and it might be overstated a little bit because what they were testing was non-stable forms of both ingredients in a high temperature environment Uh, and the thing is when you have a skincare formulation it's really unlikely that it's going to be able to reproduce the exact same conditions as they were using so it can be a little bit overstated that they cause flushing it's probably not as common in formulated products in the real world but if you are worried or if you do have sensitive skin Obviously, patch testing is definitely the way to go, but layering the ingredients uh, is another way to sort of get around that as well. And just monitoring yourself for reactions uh, and just seeing whether it agrees with you or not. The other workaround that I have for you, if this is something that you are worried about, the flushing, is that there are products on the market that do technically combine these two ingredients, but in a slightly different format. And one of the products that I thought of straight away was Sunbank. Me's Yuja Niacin Serum, and I will link to that in the show notes. So this product does technically combine vitamin C and niacinamide, but what it's using is Yuja extract. So Yuzu is another name for it. It is a fruit that is naturally high in vitamin C. So there's 80% of that extract in this product. So you're not using your typical L-ascorbic acid. You're using a fruit form of vitamin C extract. And then they've also added 5% niacinamide to that. So that might be a workaround if you are worried about flushing for whatever reason by combining a pure vitamin C with your niacinamide. So I hope that answers your question. If anyone else has a question that they would like answered, uh, please come and find me on the gram. You can uh, shoot a DM through. I may not be able to get back to you straight away because, you know, I have a job and other things to do, but I will try and get back to you when I can. Uh, And of course, feel free to shoot through emails or whatever. If you ever need help with routines, our team is always uh, ready to to respond to your your routine questions, to any questions you have. I, I know the guys are quite busy at the moment responding to a whole heap of different emails that they're getting coming through for people looking for help. Uh, so please keep them coming. Uh, you know, give us a little bit of time to get back to you. Uh, But we absolutely love helping you out with all of those kind of things. 
Now on to our next segment and this is I'm just shaking it up a little bit at the moment because I've already mentioned that we are having a few problems with the good old supply chain uh, as we get a bit closer to Christmas Uh, so we don't have the same sort of flow of new products coming through so what I thought I would do is have a look at what ended up being our top three best-selling K-Beauty products for October. So the top three were, number one was Subi Perfect Pimple Patch, so uh, a classic acne spot patch, very uh, transparent and clear. The sales for this product in October were 218% above what they were in September. So a massive increase, very, very popular product for the month of October. The second best-selling K-Beauty product for October was Jellico's Bubble Tea Steam Cream, uh, obviously uh, a moisturizing product that is perfect for people with dull skin, dehydrated skin, mature skin, dry skin, uh, pretty much most skin types, except maybe the oiliest of oily skins, probably one to skip. Uh, And number three on the list was COSRX's Snail Mucin Essence. Again, just another really, really popular product that a lot of people love to pop into their routine. Uh, A lot of people find it to be very hydrating uh, and just a good uh, barrier and sandwich kind of product if they are using things like retinol or exfoliating products in their routine. So those were the top three best-selling K-Beauty products on stylestory.com.au. And we have been sending our products all around the world in October. We have had lots of orders from Germany. So I would like to thank everyone that is tuning in from Germany. I know there are quite a few listeners that are. Uh, So a big shout out to you. I hear that you guys absolutely love your K-Beauty over there. So that makes me very, very happy to hear that. Uh, So thank you everyone who uh, ordered from us in October. We really do appreciate your support. Uh, And yeah, I mean, thanks to you, our our little small business can keep running for (laughs) another month. So thank you very much to everyone that did pop in a Style Story order in October. We really appreciate it. Now, let us have a look at some K-Beauty reviews, some new product reviews that came through. And again, I wanted to do a slightly different format to the normal. So normally I just sort of let you know the new reviews that have been left, but we also collect a different type of review. And that is we ask people, hey, why did you buy this product? Uh, That's really useful for us, but we also find it super useful for other people to know, like what? made you purchase this product in the first place. So these were some of the reviews that people left when we asked them why you bought this product. The first one was for Pyongkang Yul's Mist Toner. And the person answered, my friend who I bought this for only has one good hand. So a mist product is going to be better for application, which I was like, that is absolutely genius. And of course it will be. Uh, So there you go. This is a really uh, popular product 
product or I guess an easier to use product for people that have, you know, maybe not the same mobility as other people. It's a mist. It's really easy to apply. You don't need to rub it in or do anything like that. So that's fascinating. Fabulous. I absolutely love it. The next one was for Julie Saw's Waterfall Hyaluronic Toner. And we asked, why did you buy it? And the response was, my skin responds really well to hyaluronic acid and I like the application of a toner. So there you go. That is very sensical. I can totally see why you purchased the product. Uh, so thank you for letting us know. The other one was for Subi's Bare Skin Balm. And when we asked, why did you buy this? The response was, well, I love cleansing balms. I'm trying all the brands, but I haven't tried this one yet. So I thought that I find all of this kind of stuff fascinating as to, you know, why people, some people are just on a mission. They want to try everything. Other people have like a really specific purpose in mind. So there you go. I thought you guys might find some of those responses a little bit interesting as well. Now to round off today's episode, we have our recommendation of the week. And this is uh, a Netflix show that I literally binged watched in like two days, which is kind of not like me. I usually, it takes me so long to get through uh, programs at the moment because I just don't have a lot of time to sit down. But this one, I swear, I was just like hooked. I was like, I need to know what happened in the end. Who would I recommend this to? Basically, anyone that liked the Dan Brown books, uh, you know, like the Da Vinci Code, all of those. If you were into those, then I think you will absolutely love this. The thing is, this is actually based on a real life story. So this is based on the story of a missing girl, Emanuela Orlandi, who went missing from the Vatican City. She was a resident of the Vatican. Uh, and if you are a little bit familiar, maybe with either the Catholic Church, Church or the Vatican or Italy in general, you will know that the Vatican technically is its own separate territory. Uh, so people that live there have the, I guess, residency of being from the Vatican. Obviously, you know, they are also Italian, but she was a citizen because her father actually worked within the grounds of the Vatican and the whole family lived on, in an apartment on Vatican territory. This is seriously the, one of the most fascinating stories I've ever heard. Basically, uh, Emanuela went missing after school in 1983 and was never seen again uh, by anyone. And not long after she went missing, the family started receiving phone calls from someone claiming to be the kidnapper who said that they had her uh, and that they would give her back if the family you know, complied with their demands. And the story goes on from there and it just gets more and more wild as it goes along more characters come out and by the end of the story it covers literally the full gamut from international terrorism to the Italian mafia, uh, there are fake kidnappers, popes are potentially involved, like this story literally has everything. I could not stop watching it, I found it absolutely fascinating. So if this that sounds like your jam, if you love a little bit of mystery, uh, I won't spoil the ending, but it is based on a true story. So don't go and Google it if you want to actually watch the show. It is called Vatican Girl and it is on Netflix. Uh, so if you haven't already got something lined up to watch this week, that one I can highly recommend. 
So I'm going to leave it here for today. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, I would love for you to leave your review for the podcast. I would really, really appreciate it. And I'll even read it out for you as well to say thank you. All right, I'm going to leave it here. I'll be back in your ears later this week. And until then, I will see you on Style Story. Bye.